You're listening to PR Hangover, a bi-weekly public relations podcast brought to you by Grand Valley State University's chapter of PRSSA. I'm your host, Olivia Dolly, and I want to thank you for choosing this podcast to hear your PR Hangover. This week's episode of PR Hangover features Meryl Evans. She is a professional speaker, trainer, digital marketing pro, and author. Meryl, it is an honor to speak with you. Thank you for taking the time to help students and young professionals learn more about your business and training practices and how your work educates companies and employees of DEI, specifically for those who identify with a disability or disabilities. As someone who wears a cochlear, I truly value your perspective within the deaf and hard of hearing community. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Olivia. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So without further ado, let's just dive right into the questions. So um, before we begin, would you like to give a short snippet of your background, education, your work, and kind of just like overall what you do? Sure. So howdy, everyone. I'm Mel. I'm coming to you from Plano, Texas, which is right by Dallas. I was born hearing free, but in medical terms, profoundly deaf. I grew up wearing hearing aids and learning how to speak and lip read. The thing that surprises people when they meet me is that I don't know sign language. That is not a good or a bad thing. It just is, it's just what works for my life. And my past roles include the FAA, Federal Aviation Administration, two Fortune 500 companies, where I work mainly in process management and marketing. I have an accessibility certification, which is like a long name. And I'm an author, professional speaker, trainer, and accessibility marketing consultant who focuses on accessibility and people with disabilities. Wow, that is an incredible list of accomplishments. And just, I really admire everything that you do and taking um, those roles into the processes of management and marketing. I think that it's really important to have those kind of perspectives. And um, with your certification in um, Accessibility Core, um, it's just, I know how the importance of that is. And so I really appreciate your efforts and your just, and I just admire a lot that you do. So awesome. thank you so much, Olivia. Absolutely. Um, so what inspired you to start a business that focuses on empowerment? You could say I was born into it. Seriously, though, I've always had an interest in it. From time to time, I would educate or push the train. But the game changer came in 2018. A colleague encouraged me to make videos. As a digital marketer, I knew the value of videos. But I was realistic. Being born deaf came with the accent. I didn't know how people would respond to it. Finally, I made a 20-second video asking one question. That's it. And wow, the response was tremendous. That was the start of my making many videos. At this point, I was not yet vocal about disability and accessibility advocacy. I was focused on making videos and learning how to caption them. So all these years, I've been a caption viewer. Now I was being the caption creator. 
the video from Mofu about digital marketing to share my expertise. Of course, the ultimate goal was to ban new clients. And working on the video, I started playing captioning and captioning apps, at least what was available at the time before the pandemic. It compelled me to start writing and making videos about why high-quality captions matter. This led to an invitation to speak at an accessibility conference in 2019. That's where I found the spark that ignited my passion for accessibility in the community. So how did I move from captioning accessibility to accessibility for everyone? I've always cared about equal access for everyone in all aspects of life. I wanted to do more than caption. That's when I studied and passed the accessibility certification exam. I wanted to show I knew more about accessibility and accessibility beyond my own in caption. Wow, that is incredible. I know that a lot of businesses and people are trying to make more of an effort to promote diversity and inclusion, but it's more than just, you know, the words that say, oh, I support. It's the actual acts of doing. And as someone who is hard of hearing and who was born like that, um, I appreciate those efforts. And I know that disability and disability acts go far beyond my knowledge, but just like knowing that effort and knowing that there are still people out there who truly have a passion to help people is really, really empowering. Thank you. It takes the balance. Um, thankfully, I'm one of many who does, does this mm -hmm. because I can only wish a small audience. It takes all of us to wish more people. Absolutely. Um, I guess that kind of answers my next question, which is what motivated you to start digital marketing and writing business? It was by accident. I worked for a corporation at the time. I entered a writing contest and won a free copy of Photoshop. I wrote for more for the same publication. Eventually, I landed more clients through referrals. By 2005, I had enough work to work for myself full-time. I never wanted to go into business for myself. Again, I am realistic. I know people would rather work with hearing people than me. They could pick up a phone anytime and call each other. Even some people have admitted they thought it would be too much trouble to work with me. I built up the business um, before people got to know me and my work that they recommend me to others. Wow, that is incredible. I think that um, just you have such a very unique perspective that you can provide to others that um, the more traditionalist approach to marketing, it's not as, it's not as gonna be as so relevant as to some that you can share. Yeah, um, so I guess what kind of services and training do you offer then? Well, I do diversity, equity, and inclusion training and speaking that focuses primarily on people with disabilities and accessibility. I also do accessibility and marketing projects where I might create guides, videos. I do a lot of writing, including scripts, articles, and research. I also provide advice and feedback related to accessibility and disabilities. 
on how to create a more inclusive company culture that people with disabilities will feel included in in supporting them. I hear so many stories from people with disabilities who said, I feel like I was just a shock box for the company. They're not giving me the tools to do my job and do my job well. So I'm trying to help change that along with many other advocates. Absolutely. I know that when I'm applying for jobs and the first one of the questions at the bottom is, do you identify with a disability? There are nine times out of 10, I almost want to put no, just because I don't want that to be the thing that prevents me from getting that role. Yeah, you and many others. I mean, people are like, I don't know whether to put yes or no. Uh, from what I understand, it's supposed to be anonymous and not tied with your application because it's for data purposes so they know what they're getting but of course i understand you need the job you want to have a chance and you just don't trust the system right <laughs> exactly no exactly um so i guess why do you believe that it's important to provide a safe space for everyone to feel welcome and heard despite their disability status companies that create a culture of a safe space is one of the best ways to get people to open up and share their access requirements. They can bring their full selves to the company. It improves collaboration because they can communicate their needs and preferences without the fear of affecting their job and promotion. That is what it takes to build an inclusive company. Absolutely. I know that a lot of people are kind of timid to speak up, not even just maybe with their disability status, but just with new ideas and a new perspective because they don't want to make their employers upset. And that's something that is kind of like an ongoing task for um, a lot of young professionals now. So that's really good to know. Absolutely. Um, so people are focused on DEI initiatives because they see the importance it has on a workplace. But how is focusing on people with disabilities important to consider when it comes to inclusion? Well, you know, uh, Olivia, some company leaders brag about their diversity, equity, inclusion effort and initiative, yet they're only doing part of it. They may have brought in a diversity of employees but they're not giving them the tools to thrive. People with this, as I mentioned earlier, people with disabilities tell me that's what's happening. And inclusion not only means providing employees with the access and accommodation they require, but also bringing them to the table and involving them in their conversation and decision-making. Absolutely. Um, I know that I was reading some of your blogs, actually, and um, the one was just about how it's progress over perfection. I really, I really admired that one. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure included. Um, I just think that a lot of times just making those little steps, like you said, it's not going to be a linear progress, but just knowing that people are actually taking those initiatives and not just saying, but rather doing. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And so... As an individual who has grown up in both a minority and disability status, um, what do you believe are some of the major or minor setbacks that people wouldn't consider? 
people don't consider the application and hiring process as a barrier for many people with disabilities. If people with disabilities can't complete the application because it's inaccessible, the company is not going to get candidates. And companies have a huge gap in not having people with disabilities in their company. We bring so much to the table. The very act of being excluded in our lived experience give us the knowledge and skills you can't teach. The knowledge and skills are what make us valuable employees. Recently, I learned about a company that hired autistic employees. These employees don't like to talk much. They love data and they love working in a quiet environment. What employee wouldn't want people like that, right? They're amazing at their job. They're the best employees and there are many stories like this for different disabilities. Even the simple act of communicating is a barrier for many of us. Like, uh, we need to change that by always having at least a second way to communicate. It's the little things like that that can make a difference. So many application forms and other forms always have a required field, the phone number. And I'm always afraid to put my phone number in there because I'm afraid they're going to call me which is what I don't want. I have a phone number because I have a phone. I use it to text my family and friends. So that requires the phone number, but it's better to give choices. Um, one airline does it really well. So they have a required contact field, but they ask you if you want a call, an automated call, a text message or an email. And then once you select, then you fill in the information with the phone number or an email. So simple. Absolutely. I think that with a, with kind of um, the initiatives like this, there are so many different realms that you can go. And also there are so many, there's always going to be room for improvement. Yeah. So as a thought leader and TEDx speaker, and also just overall a very well-respected professional, um, what would you say are some of the best practices for passionate public speaking? Be yourself, tell stories, be animated, and of course, practice, practice, practice. I must give a shout out to Cindy Walters Fuller of Blessed Memory, who are being the first teacher to help me learn how to do public speaking. And she was also my drama teacher in eighth grade. We were friends for many, many years. She passed away a few years ago, unfortunately. So I'm really grateful. She ignited my passion for public speaking and I took it in high school, I took it in college. And I felt, I've always been comfortable with it. I think my, my concern was was my voice a problem or not? So thankfully it's not. Absolutely. I think it's such a beautiful thing and you can truly tell when someone is passionate about something. And I think that it's just such, it's a very empowering thing to see and you can just feel the energy as you walk in. Um, so I guess, what are some of your best tips or practices for people who would like to implement DE&I into their workspace? 
So what we think that can make a difference in creating a truly inclusive DEI culture that includes people with disabilities, one is to have an executive champion and a backup. You don't want all the DEI efforts to go out the door if the champion leaves the company. Two, the company considers accessibility everybody's responsibility, and they reinforce that with company-wide training. Third, accessibility and inclusion of people with disabilities is baked into the company culture. They take a shift left approach to product development. What that means is they put accessibility in from the beginning, not later. They ask every employee what they require to be successful in their role. Employees ask each other about the best way to communicate and collaborate. Absolutely. I think that, um, like you said, it's everyone's responsibility and training, and it shouldn't just be left up to a lot of people just throw it under HR category, um, but it's so much more than that. For sure, definitely. Um, so I'm a part of the Public Relations Student Society of America, which is um, what this podcast is under. And for our chapter specifically, uh, being students, how do you how would you recommend expanding the knowledge of DEI beyond just people of color and into the headspace of people with disabilities? The big piece would be disability awareness training. That would be a huge help in this area. And again, making accessibility part of people's job description and performance is another way to reinforce the message. Awesome, thank you. And then um, how would you recommend supporters to become a disability ally? Read articles and books by people with disabilities. Check out our talks. Avoid making assumptions about someone's disability. For example, I mentioned earlier, a lot of people assume I know sign language. Those assumptions can make a huge difference. So I know it's hard. I was guilty of it recently. It was bugging me. I made an assumption by, about someone by accident. It was, it was weird. The person had a white cane, and they handed me a business card with Braille on it. And for some reason, my brain just took over and then made the assumption that they knew Braille, which was not the case. So that was just, it just goes to show you how easy it is for humans to make assumptions, even when they're trying not to, as I try not to. And then the big one is to ask. You can never go wrong with asking people what they need or require. Don't try to do something for them without asking first. I mean, no one wants to be touched without their permission. But that's what it's like for somebody in a wheelchair. If you put the, your hand on the wheelchair, it's a part of them. So it's, it feels regulating to them. And I know people mean well when they want to help. They think they're being helpful. I'm the same way. When I'm going to a building, I'll hold the door open for anybody who's right behind me, right? So, they'll always ask. 
that that make the shoes different. Absolutely, that is really great advice. And then, um, just one last thing: if you have any parting words for young professionals, so the thought of building an accessible workplace product and services can feel daunting. This is why I preach a progress over perfection approach to accessibility and inclusion. You take that next step, no matter how big or small, accessibility and supporting people with disability is not an all or nothing proposition. Celebrate the little win and then make more progress. Absolutely. Because like you said, it's all about the journey and just, yeah, like you said, making those little wins. And so, um, Meryl, thank you so much for taking the time to share your education and how you include people with disabilities and accessibility in DEI. I know that these practices are a work in progress for our chapter, but I know that every stepping stone is worth recognition. So thank you, Meryl. Thank you so much for having me, Olivia. If you'd like to learn more about Meryl and her experience being an advocate for disabilities and sharing more of her insights, her training in digital marketing, um, then I will leave the link to her website and her TED Talk in the show notes below just to understand a little bit more about accessibility advocacy. So thank you so much for listening to PR Hangover and I'll see you all next time.